0: You're listening to the Embrace Family Recovery Podcast, a place for real conversations with people who love someone with the disease of addiction. Now here is your host, Margaret Swift Thompson. Welcome back, everyone. I know you were expecting Sandy, but sadly due to COVID, her retreat has been postponed, so we will rebroadcast Sandy's episode about her retreat at the appropriate time when it's reoffered. Today, Jerry Moe returns to tell us all about the children's program at the Hazel and Betty Ford Foundation. Who is Beamer? What is Beamer's role in the program? Also, how the incredible team at the children's program. Offer ongoing support to the children and their caregivers. Here's more with Jerry. The Embrace Family Recovery Podcast. Tell us a little bit, this audience who may not even know about the Beautiful Children's Program that I am absolutely a giddy fan of and thrilled that I got the opportunity to go through it myself. So I really witnessed the power of the program. Tell people who are listening, what is your children's program about? How does it work? I know COVID's changed things, so we should probably touch on that. But explain more about the children's program, because I think people get scared of, I don't want to take my kids because they may get exposed to things that are worse than they're seeing at home.
1: Yeah, or, or you'll hear, well, my children don't know anything about this.
0: Number one myth.
1: You create a safe space and, and you put boys and girls in a room with other kids going through the same thing and they see that it's okay and they begin to talk. So, so yeah, just, and geez. I have such admiration and respect for grownups who bring kids to children's programs because it takes courage and strength. You know, it, it takes an admission on some level that this disease I never asked for in my family has not only hurt me, it's hurt my kids. Boy, how, how awful that is. Mm-hmm. So, Just a, a shout out to all of the grownups who were willing to bring their kids. So just in a couple of sentences, and then we can talk about how we've shifted things during the pandemic. Oh, it's the, the children's program is designed for four days and it's all day long. And I learned really early in my career because I had a graduate school. The, the The best practice was you saw these kids once a week for an hour. I mean, that's that. That was about it. And, and within a year, you know, it's like, well, no, we're just about to get to something good a year. Right. And then our time is up. And it's not like a TV show, so you can't start where you left off. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest issue is one of trust. I mean, Dr. Claudia Black, what did she teach us in her book? In the early 80s, it'll never happen to me. Don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. And and so we're bringing kids into a program. And the best thing that we can do is build relationship with them. And so, you know, we're with them all day long. Uh, we, We do group. As you know, you've been there. We do group with them. We play with them. We swim with them. We eat with them. We have fun and act silly. We're in group and sharing feelings, and sometimes there's tears, but it's really developing relationship. And you can see over the course of those days how it really begins to deepen in in, in all of that. So we're talking six, seven hours a day, and it's a nice window into a child's soul. I mean, I tell folks all the time, you know, give us four days and if nothing else, we'll give you a sense of here's what we see, here's what we're concerned about, here's some follow-up, if you like it. So that first day is, is, is all about addiction and, and teaching kids how to separate the person they love from the disease that consumes them. Because boys and girls see it as being one in the same, one in the same. And so we do a lot of work around that, uh, all experiential, highly interactive you know, keep it moving, keep it playful. Uh, you know, keep it uh, you know as simple as we possibly can. That second day is a day more of feelings, and, and and boys and girls come back and and they're really willing and able to begin to share a little bit more. We create a really safe space. You do I have a small group of kids, ten to twelve at most. There's a couple of the counselors, highly trained, really good at what they do. We might have a volunteer or two to help us who's been screened and trained. And often it's retired folks that that kids see almost as being a grandparent in the group. And it's fascinating, uh, Maggie. Some kids, it's their artwork. Mm -hmm. That's how they let it out. Other boys and girls who are really quiet, when we write a story, you know, they just continue to write and write and write. And, and for others, it's, it's just talking. And so uh, giving them opportunities to understand, to find their voice, and to begin to express it. And then, you know, the last two days of the program, grownups join us. It's always a children's program because it's children-focused. But, you know, through the years, I've started to say, well, it's really a child-centered family program because we're inviting the grown-ups. And on Saturday and Sunday, the last two days, we go through a process where the kids are in one group, the adults are in another group, learning what the kids are learning, thinking about parenting and recovery, thinking about some of the things they want to work on. And then we bring the groups together. In the program, we make the disease the enemy. So it's draw a picture about how addiction has hurt your family. Draw what addiction did to your family. Write about that so that we're not dealing with, with kids uh, being caught in a dilemma thinking that, well, wait a minute. If I talk about this, I'm betraying and being disloyal to the people I love. And We don't want them to do that. But tell on the disease that loves it when people stay quiet and silent and invisible. And don't say anything. So that third day is one of self-care. And that fourth day is one of celebration. And then we just do a a variety of continuing care things for boys and girls after after they're done. And for the last year, and it's been over a year now, we've, we've transitioned into a virtual program. Gosh, when it's virtual, how much time can you spend and not go too far you know you're always on an edge if you want boys and girls coming back wanting more not saying that was the longest three hours of my life oh my gosh and how do you make it fun and it's very innovative so it's three hours two days in a row we don't try to do everything we've done in in the four-day children's program you can't We do a caregiver workshop that's separate just for their caregivers. So we hold on to that piece. That's three hours, one day.
0: Wonderful, right.
1: We use a series of books that we created for continuing care. It's the Beamer series. And so Beamer is this light bulb kid and just a creation of a highly talented dear friend who lives in Hollywood whose most of his career was designing album covers and movie posters. So we're talking Home Alone and Pretty Woman and Robin Hood and Bob Dylan, and Michael Jackson. And then here here's this character that he created. So everybody's a light bulb. And when their feelings change, so does the color of the light bulb. And, and Beamer has a mom and a dad both trapped by addiction. And so, what we found, we thought, how are we going to do this virtual? Well, Beamer drives it, and that we go through the Beamer stories, and then kids relate to Beamer. That's and so, fabulous. And, and, and then, with a lot of fun thrown in. I mean, I think one of the things that troubles me the most is the fraternity of children's programs across the United States. We're all pretty close to each other because it's unfortunately it's been decreasing in the number of programs. And some programs have been uh, uh, found that they needed to to shorten it for for a lot of different reasons. And and yet I get concerned when I'm hearing that what's getting shortened is the playtime, the fun time, because I think that's where kids really connect with each other and and learn and grow.
0: Jerry, isn't it also true that a good number of the children, because of the disease and the crisis and the things in the home feel like they grow up pretty fast. So giving them the permission to be a kid is really important. Yeah,
1: it's incredibly important. I mean, there are times, uh, not so much in the virtual space, but there are times I've had to take a a 12-year-old who you notice the first day that little sister can't open up the milk carton. And so there he is, or little sister can't find a black marker. And so he stops whatever he's doing to get her the black marker or to get her the towel, and which are all really commendable behaviors. Gosh, for sure, I love that you care so much about your sister. But but I'll take him aside and and, and, and look at him in in a somewhat serious manner say, Hey, you know, you got to stop doing my job. I need this job <laughs> very much. I, I I can't not have this job. And so you know what? Um, for the next couple of days, you're on vacation all right, you let me hang with your sister if she needs something, you know, we'll get it for you. I just want to make sure that you have fun. So that is absolutely true. Beautiful. Giving them that permission. Right.
0: This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Can you relate to what you're hearing? Never miss a show by hitting the subscribe button. Now back to the show. With the virtual program being obviously very different, but still reaching them, Um, One of the things that I was so impressed by, there were so many when I witnessed and experienced the program, which was phenomenal. Like, I've never said to anybody more than I would for the children's program without hesitation Would I recommend parents and and grandparents and family members take their children to the program without hesitation. Um, One of the things that impressed me was what you did around holidays with phones for your alumni. Oh, yeah. So can you talk about that? Because I think people don't realize that it's not just four days. There's more to it.
1: Yeah. No, I'd be glad to, Maggie. And so, uh, gosh, I don't even tell a, a story. So, you know, what we realize, you work with kids, you listen to kids, kids, uh, and, and we adjust the program accordingly. And the holidays can be an incredible roller coaster. I mean, it can be a roller coaster for all families. Correct. In terms of expectations and pressures, stress, it's got to be perfect. And and we know there's a lot of relapse. There's a lot of uh, fighting, sometimes domestic violence, mental health issues begin to swirl. I mean, there's a whole whole, uh, nine yards with that. So for, I think this last holiday was the 21st annual. So we do a holiday hotline. We go 24 seven and we do a quarterly newsletter that we send to every kid up until probably about the age of 14. Because And that's all about just reinforcing the major messages. Hey, remember, it's not your fault. You're not alone. Find someone safe. We can be those safe people for you. and, and, And what happened, and and it's fascinating that in the last half dozen years, uh, I'd want to say that half the calls we get during a hotline are not from kids, they're from the caregivers. Really? So they need some help and they see us as being safe people. And so, you know, they'll call us about being stressed out or I just need to talk to someone. And for whatever reason, um, you know, they pick us. And so uh, I had. I had the duty. I was I was the person who you know who carried the phone. Oh gosh, it was Christmas Eve this last year, and I want to say it was about eight o'clock at night, and I got a call from a grandmother who, um, you know, who called me and said, "I got to check something out with you." And, you know, I, gosh, you know, my son's not supposed to. Be alone with his mom because of her relapse history, and she really hasn't been able to keep it get together. But you know, uh, it's it's the holidays, and and I really wanted him to do that. And 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 she could hear in my voice as kind and caring as uh, as I could be. Ooh, I don't know about this. This might not be a good idea. So I said, you know what? that that little guy who I think was nine years old, he needs a safety plan right now, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to uh, to call him somehow and give him this number and tell him that he can call me anytime if anything happens tonight, have him call me and and then grandma had told me that he really loved Beamer, and so I told grandma and tell him. That Beamer calls me all the time, Oh, you know, just to try to make it okay. And what happened is he called me. It was about 1130, so Christmas Eve night. And he had woken up from sleeping and mom was gone and he was by himself. So we called for help and 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 we stayed on the phone and we talked and, and I had his number now. You know, it came up on, on my phone that I was using. And so, you know, we spoke for about 20 minutes and I told him I was going to I told him here's here's the plan. I said, we're going to continue to talk until there's a grown up there that can keep you safe and maybe mommy just went down the hallway maybe she went to get some milk you know who knows but 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 here's what we're going to do i'm going to put you on hold which i did and then i used my other phone and called grandma and explained to grandma and grandma made her way over there to get him
0: while you're on the phone
1: while i'm on the phone with him now mom came home during that time and you know had claimed to me that uh She'd gone out to get cigarettes and I just said, geez, you know, that's that's really hard to do that right now because, you know, your son woke up and he was scared. He was worried about you. He didn't know what to do. I hope you can be proud of him. I hope he's not in trouble for making a call because what he did is huge. I said, there's a lot of grownups I know that need help sometimes that don't even think about doing that. And so grandma is then on her way over and gets there. And then calls me and says, uh, it's just not looking good. I'm going to take him home to my house now. And then just said, uh, you know, you're right. It wasn't a good idea. And I said, well, I, I don't care about being right. I just want him to be safe. So there is an example. And, and there's been examples through the years. I remember a long time ago, uh, a 12-year-old girl calling me and asking me, How how do you cook a turkey? How long does it stay in the oven? Because her mom was passed out. (laughs) And and I honestly said, you know what? Gosh, I can help with a lot of things. (laughs) But how long a turkey has? It's got to be in there for hours. And I actually remember getting my wife Uh and having my wife talk her through that. But also that getting her some help and taking that burden from her. So kids, kids will call us. Kids will uh, uh, email us because they all have our email addresses. Uh, kids, kids will write us. Uh, and, and, and what happens? And, and it happens more. And I think it has to do with just social media and the Internet. Sure. And that. It's got to be once a month at least, some months more. We'll all hear from somebody. Somebody will reach out either at a really celebratory time in their life, like when they have a child. Wow. Or they're getting married or they're graduating. But, but they'll also reach out uh, because they need help with something. And So we always tell them that you're part of our family. We care about you. We care about your safety, your well-being.
0: So not only saying it, but matching it with actions by being available to them. Well, and that's it.
1: That's it, because I think so many boys and girls come here and, you know, talk is cheap. They often grow up in families where words have no meaning. I'll quit tomorrow or I'm going to divorce your mom, you know, all of those. And so kids come to the program and it's not tell me, it's show me.
0: And you do. So for anyone who wants to get to the virtual program, for their children, wants to introduce them to the program. I know it's virtual. Tell people what that looks like, what the cost is, how they go about enrolling. I can add links to the podcast for people to the Hazelden website. Yeah, well,
1: there's a a couple of ways. Uh, Let me give you a a number to call to get more information and to think about registering. So it's 760-773-4291. 760-773-4291. 760 773 4291 and what that will do that will be that phone will be answered by uh, one of the children's counselors who can tell you hey here's the skinny you know during this time of the year uh, we do the program it's two days 3 hours each and two days we've been doing it Saturday and Sunday so it's not interfering with school but maggie you know last summer what we'll do is we'll do it on days of the week right because sometimes families could, are looking for, you know, wholesome, healthy things for their kids to do. So there'll be many options there. If you want to go online, if you go to the Hazelden Betty Ford website and just just type in Recovery Go, and that will bring up all different kind of, uh, of our virtual services. And just look for children's program. And... In the year that we've been doing this, we're not charging people. This is part of Hazel and Betty Ford trying to give back to the community during these just unprecedented times, crazy chaotic times of the pandemic. So there, yeah, there's no cost to them at this point in
0: time. And does a person have to be in treatment to participate? Can it be anyone from anywhere who just hears about it and wants to enroll?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. So think about it, that it's for seven to 12-year-olds primarily. You know, sometimes a a grown-up will say, geez, my 13-year-old's on the immature side. They might fit in. Or or we'll hear about the brilliant six-year-old that just uh, directed a play off Broadway. They're (laughs) incredibly, incredibly bright that could probably fit in. Just a family history of addiction. So, uh, and, And the groups are really so diverse in the sense of, you know, here's some boys and girls with somebody in treatment, but it doesn't have to be at Hazelden Betty Ford. And and so it's early recovery. Here's children participating and, and their loved one is not in treatment. And then here are boys and girls whose parents have been in treatment their entire lives. I'm sorry, recovery their entire lives. And they want the prevention aspects of it. and and to help their kids understand why they're living a recovery lifestyle.
0: I know I'm biased about the children's program, having been through it. However, I would not hesitate for one minute to recommend this children's program for any child ages 7 through 12 and their caregivers. Children are intuitive beings with creative minds. Help them by giving them the learning and support this program offers them. I want to thank my guests for their courage and vulnerability in sharing parts of their story. Please find resources on my website, EmbraceFamilyRecovery.com. This is Margaret Swift Thompson. Until next time, please take care of you.